You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, our guest is Sherry Pierre, who is in the vending machine industry. Uh, welcome to the show, Sherry. Thank you. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit uh, of an overview of your background? Well, I've been in the vending industry for 32 years. Um, I have been with the largest manufacturer of vending equipment in the world, and I'm a distributor for the Houston area. Uh, and also the servicing entity uh, for the vending machines for that manufacturer. And uh, I've lived all over the country as a distributor for them, uh, helping people get into the vending business. I've also operated machines and had uh, operated multi-million dollar routes, which I don't do that here in Houston. I only assist people getting into the business. Excellent. And that's what we're looking for is to help our listeners and then maybe ourselves get into it. So, um, we're going to go through, we're going to spend a lot of time on, um, the market assessment. So we'll just get right off to it, which is, um, maybe you can walk us through the process or the value chain of vending, uh, you know, how you get your materials. Um, and then I imagine you have trucks, uh, you and things around. Um, well, what uh, basically, as far as getting into the uh, the business from a financial standpoint, uh, the key to this is being realistic about what you can expect for your return um, and what you have in the way of cash to put into a business. Uh, I get phone calls from people uh, consistently looking to get into the business, and when I start asking them questions to see if they qualify, um, some people are not realistic that they've got, you know, 500 bucks or $1,000 to put into a, a business. And realistically, what business can you get into for that amount? So you kind of like any real business, you get what you put in there. And so obviously, the more money you have to put in, the greater your uh, return uh, you, you'll see. And um, the average return on vending machines has changed over the years. And uh, you're talking about an average of, a, of up to two years return on your investment, which is very good for the amount of time that you spend. Plus, it's immediate cash flow, a business that you can get into. And from the day that you get into business, your machines, you know, start making money. Um, you don't have to wait for months or build up a clientele. Um, you know, it's financial independence. You can build it up as a, as a retirement business and that type of thing. So I want to take that a little further, actually. So those are pretty good. Uh, rates of return. Um, but I would imagine, you know, a maybe a healthy vending uh, snack option machine might have different returns than like a soda machine or, or maybe a candy machine. Can you differentiate kind of between those? Well, it's a tr uh, the healthy vending machines are a trend that started in the market due to just people's eating habits changing. The problem is we're still dealing with adult people who can walk up to a machine and they will look at the machine and it'll be full of diet stuff and healthy items and they're still going to pick a uh, as their diet option a diet coke and a cinnamon roll. Um, it's kind of a trendy business, but it is used as a buzzword in today's times uh, to get into locations. Uh, the problem with the healthy vending is 
that the products in it are inflated because a lot of the companies that, that come into town selling uh, healthy vending machines, it's kind of, a, it's kind of like a, a gimmicky type thing. And I'm not saying that healthy stuff doesn't sell as an option, but you're limiting yourself by getting, uh, by getting into that. And our money is made in the vending business in cold drinks. Um, okay. We'll sell sometimes four or five drinks to every snack sold, and of course that uh, changes through seasons. Our our snack sales go up in the winter, and drink sales drop off up to twenty percent. So, I suggest always sticking with the basics, uh, which is snacks, soda, and try to mix in healthy with uh, your regular junk food, which is what the vending business is made up of. Really, mm. the majority of the $44 billion sold in that industry. Okay. And in terms of entry amounts, you talk about uh, $500, $1,000. Uh, is that what it takes to get going? And then secondly, what would you recommend? You know, would it be buy five machines used or, you know, kind of what would you recommend? Well, what I recommend starting out is um, you can get in um, if you deal with like somebody like my manufacturer. They have an in-house finance company, which is so does Healthy Vending. They, they'll do financing. You can get into the business with as little as 10% down, but you're not obviously enjoying the profitability, the total, full profitability because you're making payments on your machines versus that anybody getting into a business should have cash to put into a business should have their own they should be invested in their own business um, and they'll see a greater average return like I have people that pay cash for machines and for some reason uh, they have a little bit more negotiating power uh, we're able to mix in used machines with new when locations warrant it um, it's really just a matter of matching up a location based on its ability to cash flow with what it should have in it so how much does a machine cost I mean I don't even I don't even know what well, the to average the, the average brand new machine of mine is uh, somewhere around let's say average fifty two hundred dollars somewhere around in there for a brand new top of the line machine um, and they go up to as much as six sixty five hundred dollars uh, and that's okay. for a top of the line uh, with all the bells and whistles glass front frozen food machines that type of thing and is the there average a used vending machine market? There is uh, a market for it. Um, uh, the problem with it is that a lot of people wake up and go, I think I'm going to go get in the vending business, and they go buy a uh, $600, $700, $800 used Coke machine, and they stick it at XYZ gas station or, or wherever uh, where there's a handful of people, and they don't know the business, so they're going to wait. You know, they'll be spending time making you know, $50, $100 a month. Sure. Um, versus a larger site that takes the same amount of time to service you, you have to go shop for products and you're already out there um, so you're going to uh, as far as people spending habits at locations you can figure the more employees at a location the uh, greater your average of return so let's say the average that you've got a hundred employees and they spend an average of a dollar a day and they're open 22 uh, days in the month uh, you do the math, that's $2,200 a month in sales. Now, that's high because people don't eat as much as like they used to, but on a high end and a heavy manufacturing all-men, that type of location, uh, you could do as much as $2,200 a month in gross, and your average profit on your products is 50% to 55%. And the bigger you are, the better you're able to buy products and get 
better values on them and make more profit. Sure. And that's interesting to me, the fact that putting a vending machine or targeting maybe uh, manufacturing or or maybe a big office building, you know, that seems to be better than just having a vending machine um, outside a a pedestrian-friendly sidewalk or something like that. Yeah, and those are called street corner locations, and I don't even go into those. I stay completely away from those. Okay. Um, so just to kind of recap on the, the entry uh, cost, if you buy new, you're looking at five to 6000 per machine, uh, used anywhere from six to 800 That's a tight range. No, but. no, no. That's, that's for more like a, a 25, 30-year-old junk machine. Okay, so if it's um, six to 800 So you're talking about a re- ideal and new from the manufacturer out of the box, I deal with re, uh, manufactured, refurbished out of the box from the manufacturer with almost the same warranty, and you'll save about a thousand dollars a machine uh, based on the machine and uh, the deal that I get. And then we deal with used machines that are still the newer state of the art machines that you save another thousand dollars on. And then we deal with the used market of which I don't even deal with anymore uh, because the machines break and they're just, just not worth the profitability on my end. Uh, so then you talk about the, the junk machine market, which are the machines that have been out there 30 years that are, you know, um, worn, so to speak, and go in the tiny, real small sites that a, a, a real vendor wouldn't want to go into. Okay. So just to recap one more time, it sounds like a new machine, five to 6,000, a refurbished, mm-hmm. maybe four to 5,000. Mm-hmm. A used machine that is of quality, maybe three to four thousand, and then well, usually a little bit less than that, maybe okay. twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred at the most. Okay, and then if it's under twenty five hundred, uh, case by case basis, but the lower it gets, the more kind of a red flag that is to it's older. It's going to be higher maintenance, higher cost to repair, things like that. Is that right? And. Yes, and let me make it clear, the prices I'm giving you based on what I do for a living include a location because back to once again, anybody can sell a piece of equipment and I can even wholesale you one if you had your own location. I could wholesale it and uh, these are included with locations because that's the key to this whole thing. Got it. Okay. And so um, I know we talked a little bit about the returns uh, and you said two-year return. So if we buy a f- refurbished machine, four to 5,000, uh, we're looking at maybe two to two and a half thousand um, in, is that annual profit that you're saying that we should be able to pay that off in two years? Yes. And in some cases, honestly, uh, you will pay your machine off. I've had vendors pay their machines off in less than a year. Um, I like to say because new machines and you're you're getting you know uh, you're you're starting out with a new machine with less problems and all the bells and whistles and so you're going to be able to go into better sites. I like to be conservative and say two years, but the key to this business is as you add locations, is your the you'll see you'll get a feel for the business and you'll see one location pays off in uh, six months you'll get a gold mine that's just you know just for some reason just everybody makes a lot of money and it's a type of place that they'll people eat more. Um, and then you may have another place that it takes two to three years to pay off, but you may be in there 10 years. So from that standpoint, they're nice people. The location's clean. The machines are in a good, safe area. 
So long-term uh, is what you look at in this business. And the more you locations that you have that you go to site to site, the the more you get a feel for real feel for the business uh, because they're they're all different, right? In the terms of of return. Okay, um, so let's say we do buy a machine and it's four to five thousand, and uh, we get a diverse portfolio. Um, you guys hand us over a location and a machine, and then it would be uh, the purchaser's response to or responsibility to. Uh, distribute to to get supplies and distribute from their own. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Well, you um, you mentioned that uh, maintenance would be would be a big cost, especially if you have an older machine. I mean, what kind of ongoing costs would you need to pay to be able to maintain these machines and and keep them running? Well, the uh, the it's a it's every machine is different. Obviously, when you start out with an old mm-hmm. old junk machine, you're going to have more problems with it, but there's nothing in the machines that can't be fixed. Uh, the biggest problem with them is uh, dollar bill validators and coin mechanisms. Money's dirty, and it's the thing that gets the most use. And then you have motors and, uh, you know, that turn the products out in the snack machines and also that turn the products out in the drink machines. Uh, the most expensive thing is probably a compressor. If it goes out, and then you're still only talking about $350. Uh, well, I, and I have some of the new type machines are as much as $900 with a self-contained deck in it. But the average uh, repair on a vending machine, they say, is only 1.5 service calls a year. But that's not for uh, probably older machines uh, because you're just going to have more problems with them. That's less than a thought. They, yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Well, and it in a very, I mean, it's according to the type of location. If you're in a dirty environment, your machine is going to uh, have a lot more issues because of the dirt getting into the coin mix and validators. And you're talking about electronic boards, too, as well. I didn't mention that. So it's like putting your TV out in a, outside in the, uh, in the heat when you start going into t- rough locations, the, the rough, rougher type of locations. Okay. Um, so for a something, a kind of a middle-of-the-road machine in a good location, um, kind of walking through a first or second year what to expect. Uh, would you expect maybe five to 6000 in gross revenue, and then half of that goes to your, uh, your materials that you, that you source? Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And then so from there you have about 3000 left over, and you might spend anywhere from 500 bucks to 1000 in maintenance and gas. That's probably and- very – that's probably very high on maintenance. Uh, well, including uh, other things like gas and uh, things that go along with if you have a vending machine business. So I was just trying to get from about six thousand dollar revenue down to, you know, the the fifty percent margins that we you had mentioned earlier. Jerry, what about like leasing? I mean, if you want to put your machine in front of a grocery store or something, I mean, what kind of uh, rental costs you know would you have to pay to the store, if any? Well, you're when you start getting into that, that's so competitive that most independent vendors aren't able to get in there except maybe with snacks, which you're not going to do the kind of volume out in front of a, a grocery store. So that's um, a different animal. Coca-Cola. Huh? Well, yeah, and you're dealing with Coke and Pepsi, with Pe- right. and they will pay. Uh, and normally they'll supply the machines for free to the location, and then they fill it with their own product. And that's uh, – or if they if Coke or Pepsi is in a location, in many cases – um, uh, um, we're third-party vendors. Coke is a direct vendor 
who goes in and supplies the machines and then the location fills them themselves or they'll fill them uh, with one of their route trucks that you see driving all over and they will pay a high commission of as much as 20% of the gross. Um, and I have seen that like in schools and places like that, or they'll buy them a billboard or, or they'll buy, I mean, they'll buy them a scoreboard or something to that effect. Okay. So that is a market that you're not going to be able to, uh, to get into um, very easily. That's not a, that's a market to stay away from. So let's say we forget the, the Coke and Pepsi and the, the grocery store. Um, say we have just like a small mom and pop shop or, or maybe just like a, a small local business. Do you have to make an agreement with that business or do you have to pay them for the right to put your machine there? Um, 95% of the time, no. Uh, based on my expertise, um, I find that to, that if you go into a location and they're saying to you their biggest concern is that they make enough money to pay for an employee picnic or something like that, that's fine if there's hundreds of employees there and there's huge volume, like a BP uh, you know, down in Texas City or something like that. Um, they have 150 machines in there, and they do $750,000 a year per se in t- that type of business and sales, so they can expect a large commission. But in a small business with your average 80 to 100 employees, which is the, the majority of the types of businesses that I go after um, because it's, it's less competitive with the big companies that go after the gigantic ones because they have so much overhead. Um, so I pretty much uh, never offer commission. And even if they ask for it, I go, you know, I make them go look to see what they're receiving and when they look, a lot of times it's so ridiculous that somebody would have to do bookkeeping for $30 a month that they uh, opt out and they, we keep the prices down. So it's more of a sales tool. Uh, so commission is not a really uh, a big, valuable uh, thing at going out there selling locations. Uh, I rarely ever give anybody commission. A couple of quick questions. One is, do you need any cert- certifications uh, to get into this business or any regulating permits or anything like that? Well, it's just like opening any business. It's how you choose to set your business up, uh, how you choose to – you would want to get with an accountant on that. I do not go into that area because everybody's different. There are some great tax benefits. It is an all-cash business. Probably half the people out there running around there are small vendors nobody knows exist. It's kind of, a, uh, unfortunately, a license to steal from Uncle Sam. Uh, because it is a cash business. But, yes, you are required to run it like a business uh, with money in, money out, uh, based on how you want to set up your uh, as a corporation or uh, LLC or a uh, as an independent um, business owner. Gotcha. Kind of along and those lines, um, does it, do you require any kind of uh, permit or something to sell food products or to sell beverages or – I mean, any kind of regulations uh, like that? No, because they're pre-packaged. You would if you were packaging your own products and making your own sandwiches and that type of thing. Kind of a change of pace with the questioning. Most businesses that people are trying to build, you know, they want it for the cash flow, but at the same time, they're also looking for a larger payout when they want to exit, you know, selling the business. Is vending machine businesses, do they sell a lot or is it typically once you choose to exit, you're just not making any money anymore? Well, usually I tell people that get into the business because uh, I deal with a lot of large vendors uh, that have I've helped build businesses for that are you know very large businesses versus and then I deal with smaller vendors that have you know a handful of sites and they're building sites. Uh, what 
what I do find is that if somebody wants to get out of the business, it's a great retirement uh, account to build up. Um, you'll usually get the money back if you keep good records of what you put in it. And if you've got viable locations and you've done a good job and you've kept your machines up, you can sell that as an ongoing business and actually have paid for your machines and then gotten all your money back again when you sell it. Um, there's people that... Uh, that call me to sell their businesses all the time, and I help assess that to what their business is worth. And, you know, we look at the gross sales, and um, you can take your gross sales uh, to times 50%, times as much as 18 months of your um, of that profit. So just kind of a recap on the, the selling of it. If you have one machine that grosses 6000 a year, 50% of that is 3000 uh, times one and a half, because you said it's 18 months, that's four and a half thousand. So a machine that's grossing 6,000 a year, would you be able to expect it to sell for four and a half thousand in my own track? Oh, easy. Uh, you got to have a vehicle. You can't, you know, put all your products in a Volkswagen, although I have seen it done. Uh, not being mechanically inclined, uh, where you're afraid to open your machine up and work on small things. The manufacturer that I sell for, they have a, um, for the lifetime of your machine, a 1-800 technical support where if you're standing in front of your machine, they'll walk you through a problem. So the more you're able to work on your machines, the more money you save as well. Okay. So for an ideal person to enter this business, it sounds like you need to have uh, access to your vending machines during the day. It sounds like you need to be mechanically inclined and financing definitely helps because your returns will be greatly impacted if you have to get financed. So does that kind of sound like the ideal person to, to enter this business? Yes. Now, a person um, that wants to do this part-time, um, and I have one person I'm thinking of particularly, they start their day at 6 o'clock in the morning, which some locations that's considered you know business hours that they will let you in. So it's not impossible if you have another job. You just have to be flexible enough that if you were close enough to it for lunch, if you had a problem or something, you could run or, or their hours were right after work, you could stop by theirs. Okay, so this is the part of the episode where we want to kind of ask you a few really short questions and you let us know kind of a sentence or two what, you, what your opinion is. So I can do the first one. Uh, do you have one piece of advice for listeners who want to enter this market and what would it be? I would say deal with a local company and ask for references of people that have been successful. This, the vending industry is notorious for criminals preying on people that don't know the business. And if it sounds too good to be true, it is. So deal with a local company. What is your favorite resource for the vending machine industry? Could be a book, website. A lot of the books and websites are uh, Vending Times is a publication, but it's geared toward larger vending companies. Um, I would say go to federalmachine.com. Um, that's my manufacturer, and their business since 1934 has been manufacturing machines and helping new blood vendors get into the business, and they even do seminars about the vending industry, getting into it, teaching you. All right. Thank you. That's very good advice. Um, at the same time, we know that consulting is your business, and I was once a consulting, and uh, your brain is your business. So we want to give you a short minute. Tell us about what you do. And uh, The name of my business is Advanced Vending Consultants, and I've been in business for 32 years helping people build vending routes, and I supply 
equipment, locations, financing, training, setup, delivery, backside repairs if anything goes wrong. I go shopping with you and uh, teach you uh, about merchandising and help you do your first order. So we make it look like you know what you're doing when you start out at the at the at your very first site. Uh, we make it look easy for you and like you're an expert in the business. And um, I help build routes, reorganize routes, grow routes. Um, after a period of time, um, people look at sometimes juggling machines around that aren't as profitable. I help do that. Uh, and I supply contracts at the locations that you go into, which you get to look at the contract or at the location, I'm sorry, before prior to going into the location. Great. And where can people find more about you? Uh, advancedvendingconsultants.com. I have a website and my contact information is on there. And if you are uh, in another area, I can, if you reach out to me, I will put a local sales rep that does the same thing I do in your area. We're all over the United States and the world, actually. Well, thanks so much, Sherry. I think uh, this is really, really good stuff, really good information. Absolutely. Thank you, Sherry, for your time. No, thank you. I appreciate your time as well. Oh, that was very helpful. Um, thanks, Sherry, for that. And I knew speaking with her right off the bat that uh, she was the right person for the job. I actually had difficulty trying to find some honest people in the business. Um, so she's absolutely right about that. Uh, when I look at the business, I'm just kind of taking a, a step back and looking at the overall picture. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for someone who does have a flexible schedule and a few thousand dollars to get going. Uh, you know, I think even a few, few more thousand would be even more valuable to scale this business because 50% returns um, once you have a truck and your inventory, like she said, I mean, then you can start making some good, some good money, uh, maybe even to the point where you could sell it. Uh, so I think if that's you and you are manic- uh, mechanically inclined, I definitely, uh, you know, require some more due diligence and some of the resources she mentioned. But uh, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, one of the big takeaways for me was that this really isn't a passive business, um, especially if, when starting out. It's not like you can just buy a, a vending machine and stick it outside a Kroger and then collect the cash once a week. I mean, it does require active um, active input, visiting the machines, um, maintaining them, and it's not really a business that's going to support hiring right away. I mean, you have to get kind of big before you can justify hiring people. So uh, for me, it was just, it seems like a good business, but it's definitely hands-on um, if if you want to make any kind of um, uh, substantial money. Yeah, I agree. That's good. That's good. Um, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. All right. You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com.